God bless them as they go. They go enthusiastically, that's for sure. Praise God. Well, we're not going to continue in our study of the book of Acts today um, because we're going to take a look at a message that really is more appropriate for our anniversary Sunday. Um, I brought some hard truth to hard people. Uh, I wasn't going to bring hard truth to hard people a second Sunday. I'll bring it next Sunday. Amen? All right. So, but you know, on the road of life, right, as we kind of move through our, our culture, as we rub shoulders on the road with people, it's kind of easy to kind of pick up just these misperceptions. Uh, we can even call them lies, and we can begin to believe that normal, even small people, and we, we even see ourselves as that sometimes, small people, that we can't do great things. You ever felt like that? You know, it's just, I'm just simple old me. I can't do great things. And we're just simple old us in, in this little old church in a metal building. Come on, we're not the big church. We can't do great things. So small churches have few resources. Big churches have all the money, the people. They can really make a difference. But we can't make a difference because we're small. And so we begin to believe that God doesn't have great dreams for us. Isn't it true? We really begin to believe that. He doesn't have a great dream for me. He doesn't have a great dream for us. And we actually just buy into that. And, and sometimes we just kind of embrace what will be what will be. You know, I'm here to remind all of us on our 25th ministry anniversary that God has created you and he's created us as a church for more than just mediocrity. Somebody say amen to that. He has really created you and me for more than and so whenever we're kind of riding, we're saying, I'm just going to cruise. I'm just going to put it in neutral. Just know, God wants you to rest. God doesn't, every, not every season's the same. You have to rest. That's part of growing. That's, that's part of being blessed. But God's got more to you, for you than just being mediocre. He intends for you and me to live for his glory. Consider that. He intends for you and me to live for his glory. Wow. To be great in God's eyes and to live for his glory, what does that mean? That means that we live for his purposes, right? We grow in his purposes. We enjoy his fellowship. We completely accomplish the work he has called us to do. And, and we do it in the right way. So you complete that. And as you do, you're living for his glory. This is what the example of Jesus gave us, right? He completed with right relationships, right attitudes, and with excellence the work God gave him to do. And he did it. And you know, we can do that too. It's not beyond us. It's not too much for us. But it's a God-sized thing that only God can do in and through us and with us. So does God, your creator, as you sat there this morning, does your heavenly father have a great dream for you? Think about it. Does he? Yes. He has a great dream for you. Let's all say it together. Yes. Yes. He has a great dream for us. What father does not have a great dream for their children if he's a good father and loves them? Come on, we do. And we get tickled by our kids. We have great dreams for them. Does God want you to have a great dream for you and your life and the impact you're going to have on others? 
God does. Say yes. Yeah, he wants you to have a great dream. He wants you to feel like you can make a difference. He wants you to know that. That's so important. You know, I think my parents, they didn't know the Lord. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But they taught me something. Because we had a family business, and they made us work, and my mother drilled us into me. Man, we need you. This is our family. This is how our family makes it. You matter. You make a difference. And so I always grew up, grew up knowing I make a difference. My work matters. Me getting up at 5, or five in the morning or 4.30 in the morning and getting in the truck and heading out matters. And it really matters, especially when you don't get out of bed and your dad rips the covers off of you. And then it matters more. God has a great dream for you and me. What are you doing then to cultivate that great dream? What are you doing to cultivate God-given great dreams and joining him and making them a reality? What are you doing? What am I doing? On this anniversary, I want you to think about that. What are we doing? So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to John chapter 14, and then we're going to read some in chapter 15. And I want to convince you that indeed it's in Scripture, that God has great dreams for you, and God wants you to, great, to, to have great dreams for yourself and to live greater than you are today. So hear God's word in, in John 14. He said this to his disciples on the night before he was going to, be arrested and sacrificed. And he says this in verse 12 of, of chapter 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Wow. Those are pretty cool. And they will do even greater things than these, but because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He's speaking to those who have said yes to him, to those who have stepped out and followed him, to those who are looking to him. He's got a great dream for you and me. And then in chapter 15, verse 4 through 8, he says this, Remain in me. And by the way, I want you to know, that word may be abide in your Bible. But it's in the, New in the NIV, it's remain. But it's really the word abide. So the scripture says, remain in me, Jesus says, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. It withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Wow. That's God's intent for you and me. Right there he tells you. He's got great dreams. He wants you to have great dreams. He wants to give you great dreams. He's told you and me in this passage 
that he wants us to be greater than we are today. He dreams for us, and he, and he dreams for us to live for his glory in every season of our lives. It's different to live for his glory when you're a high schooler running hard for Jesus. And then when you're a 20-something and a 30-something, man, it's a whole other ball game. Then it gets different again in your 40s, and you're married. And then be, when you become 50, you find out, oh my gosh, that's really when life changes, right? And then in your 60s, seasons change. But we're all to have great dreams and know that God wants us to do even greater things than these, even greater things. But as you read this scripture, I want you to focus in on something. There is a condition that's placed on this greater thing, this dream. We as disciples, we have to abide in him. Abide. I want you to let that word sink in. Abide. Remain in me. Every time you heard remain in me in that chapter 15 <coughs> passage, think of abide in me. That word abide. That really means that your mind and your heart, they stay and they live in him like you would stay and live in a home. Do you abide with Jesus like that? That you would live relationally close and daily fellowship with him that's intimate and real, like you lived in a home, like you shared a bedroom. Maybe even shared a bed, because he lives in you. How many of you have ever shared bedrooms? Yeah, how many of you have ever shared beds in your family growing up? You're abiding with one another, aren't you? You get real intimate, you get real close, you get to know each other. That's what Jesus is saying here. And that you would tarry and hang out in his presence. That you would listen well to him. That you would be considerate of his desires and accept his desires and his boundaries. See, because when you hang out with somebody, you have to accept them. When you tarry with them, you have to. As you ask in his name, as you partner with him for his glory and for other people's blessings, you're abiding in him. That's huge, isn't it? It's so counter our culture. But it's so very, very important to being fruitful and fulfilling God's dreams. Abiding with Jesus is a special relationship, and he offers it to each of us. And, and really, it's something that is a miracle that we, after the miracle of salvation, we're called as his followers to come close to him. The one that created us, the one who saved us, the one who which we will spend eternity with, we are, call, we are called to abide with him. And that is the key to having a great dream happen in your life. So get that down, meditate upon that, walk in that, if you want more greatness in your life. Now, Chip Ingram said this in his book, Good to Great in God's Eyes. He said, and I kind of modified his question, and he asked us, and he asked Christians this basic question in his way. This is my way. What would you do if Jesus came to you in a vision tomorrow morning? Tomorrow morning, he stood at the foot of your bed, and he said to you, I will make available to you all the resources you need, all the courage you need, all the power you need. Now, will you receive a great dream from me, and will you dream a great dream worthy of me? What would be your response? Think about it honestly. What would be your response? 
How would you respond to that? And think about that. Are you practicing filling your heart with these God-sized dreams and hopes? With hearing from him? With receiving from him? Think about it. Or is there some God-honoring vision that's right in around in the recesses of your mind or your heart, um, but when you ever think about it, your heart beats faster, and you go, oh my gosh, that's really something maybe I should address or I should do. Jesus has come to you and me, and he's presented great dreams, and he's made great promises to us. But the truth is that some of us don't ever fulfill those dreams, or we're hesitant to walk into them because, simply, we're hesitant and we're afraid. We just kind of avoid them. And so we don't walk in them, we don't act upon them. So to, to be ready to act upon them, my question to you, are we, or me, are we ready to abide with Jesus, with that dream, and accept the dreams that he places within our heart and within our church? If we want to move forward, we have to do that. We have to accept them. Yet not all dreams are from the Lord. Not all dreams are from his heart. How does God birth a new dream for his glory and for other people's blessings through you and me? How does he do that? Well, we're going to talk about that today, and that's really the heart of this message. And there's a couple principles that I want to lay out, and they're pretty, pretty simple, but their ramifications aren't that, that simple. They're powerful. And here's the first one. The first principle, he commands us to do something. Quite frankly, I found early on in my life that if the opportunity for greatness presented itself to me, but it took me out of my comfort zone, guess where I went? In the opposite direction. I would avoid it like the plague. And especially if it made me more responsible for other people. Oh my gosh. I wanted to rock and roll through life. Never wanted anybody to rain on my parade. I wanted to do great things, new things, marvelous things, make a difference, but I didn't need other people dragging me down. That's how I felt early on. And so, if any opportunity to greatness came, and it was going to cause me to have more responsibility, oh, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going the other way, and I'd run, and I'd take off. But time and time again, I found even though I was tempted to believe the lie, I found I wasn't happy with that. I would seek to avoid greatness. I would seek to stay in the background. And for years, I believed, in some, or even after I came into Christ, I was tempted to believe that if I avoided leadership, if I avoided responsibility, I would be happier. Has that been you? Oh, yeah. I'd be much happier if I just could avoid it. That couldn't have been further from the truth, though. And it wasn't. Especially when you're not gifted or called or created to avoid those things. When you're gifted and called to lead, when you're gifted and called to be responsible for others, um, when you're gifted and called of God to fulfill a great dream with those things, and you try to avoid them, your life's going to be miserable. I'm here to say, and it was for me for many years, I was instructed early on in my relationship with Jesus that love is the basis of all of God's commands. And it truly is. If God commands you to do something, if he commands you to change, if he commands you to step out of your comfort zone, 
He is doing it because he loves you and because he loves others and because he wants his love to grow and he wants it to go forward in you and through you. It's only because of love. I didn't get that quite at first. So God's great dream always starts with something, a very simple command, and this is what the command is. Step out. Step out. I'm going to lay it out there. That's, that's pretty simple. Step out. That's the first of his commands. Jesus commanded every disciple that ever come to him, to, what did he say to you, to, to you and me? And what did he say to them in Scripture? Follow me. That's the first command. If you don't keep the first command, no other things happen in your life, do they? Step out. Follow me. Can't do that? Won't do that? Then you're going to stay on the outskirts. Great things will not happen. Because they happen first with the command to step out of your comfort zone. And you know that began, right, for, for the Old Testament character of Abram. Abram's one of the great Old Testament believers in Scripture found in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 12 in particular, God told Abraham to leave, or he wasn't Abraham yet, he became Abraham later, when he, while he was still Abram. God told him to leave his country, leave your family, leave your home, and go to a place. But guess what? God didn't name the place. It was just the place I'll show you. No upfront information on how far it would be. Um, what climate would Abraham have to, to pack for? Was he going to Aruba and needed his leopard speedo? No. I don't know if John had one. Jason says he has one, though. But what, where was he going? He didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was supposed to pack for. He didn't know what the climate would be. He didn't know what the nationality or culture he was heading into. Just an unknown, unnamed place that God would disclose to him later. And God said, go. He had to decide, well, am I going to trust him? Am I going to step out with this first command or not? Only after that command to step out did God give him the great dream for his life. And this is what he said in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. I will make you a great nation. He never would have got this had he not stepped out. But God said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you you. And if you read the rest of the story of Abraham, you know, you know that's true. You discover that's true because Abraham dreamed with God. God's great dream came true. And his promises were fulfilled in through Abram's life and he became Abraham, the father of many. When before there was no way, his wife was barren. This principle that we learn of how God births a dream for his glory is that God often does not birth a great dream in us until we show our commitment to obey his command to step out. So where are you this morning? Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone where God is asking you to step out in your relationships with others, in your relationship with him, in where you live and how you live, with your finances, 
with your daily routine. I don't know what it is, but God continues to always command us and call us, and there are greater dreams waiting for us, but we first have to fulfill the command to step out, to dream those great dreams. And what normally happens is that our reluctance to do so shows us that we're putting our security in something else. Oh my gosh, it does. We're putting our security in our jobs, in our, the identity that we've always, already had. We're, we're putting our, our security in the things we've already become good at. We're putting our security in what is known to us. And I'm telling you, that's a great way not to fulfill a great dream. Your security, my security, has to be in God and in his word. And he commands us to step out. Do it. It's worth it. Oh, come on. It's so worth it. He's giving you that command because he loves you. Come on. Do it. Believe him. It'll be the right of your life and it'll be great. It really will. I, it always makes me remember me standing up at the top of those, those great big super slides. Back in the day, they didn't make them real uh, safe like they do today. And, and I saw some video recently of one that they slicked down too much and people were bam! And they were flipping and jumping and hitting and getting bruises. That's how they used to be in the day when they were really fun. And, and so I remember up, up in the top just trying to talk my brother who wasn't sure he was much younger than me. He didn't want to go down. And I spent like, I don't know, how many hours trying to convince him to go down. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It was over an hour. And he finally went down. But the fair was closing. He had the greatest time in the world and said, let's do it again. I go, we've got to leave. <coughs> it's over. It took too long. We could have really experienced a great dream and, you know, could have had many more bruises because of it. But because we were so hesitant, and we, get, we all get like that. We're, not just him, we all get hesitant. And we drag our feet. That first command, step out, is so important to dreams. Well, there's another principle. Most of us had big dreams at one point. And when you think about when you grew up, you had a dream. Uh, no matter how landish that it might have been, think about what some of your dreams were. How many of you wanted to be president of the United States, ever? Oh, man, you're smart. Okay, no, I got one over here. How many of you wanted to be an astronaut? Yeah, how many of you wanted to be a doctor? Yeah, I got a few doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, let's see. How many of you wanted to be on Broadway? Okay, got a few. All right. Have your own band. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many of you wanted to be a professional athlete? There we go. Yeah. I mean, there are many, many more dreams. Sometimes we want to be firemen. Sometimes we want to, I don't know. I know some people, their dream was back when they were little, we had some, I want to work at McDonald's. And I, I remember one of our kids wanted to do that. And I remember thinking, you got to dream higher, kid. Dream higher. <coughs> Don't want to work at McDonald's. But McDonald's is a great place, right? So we have these great dreams, right? And great dreams or accomplishments usually begin by going after a dream. you got to go after them if you've got them. 
And some dreamers, they accomplish exactly the goals they set out to accomplish. They're going to be about it. This is going to happen. I'm telling you, I've had so many dreams that I've only gone halfway toward, and then they never got fulfilled. You know, and my parents, when growing up, used to be like, okay, are you going to finish this? Are you real? I know you want to do this, but come on. And I had to learn to make more commitments to see dreams through that I would have, right? So we have dreams like that. And some of us, we can accomplish exactly the goal we set out to accomplish. But others, like most of us, we have to be redirected, don't we? Redirected along the way, and especially when we come to Christ, as God heals us, as God reshapes us, as he shapes our passions and our priorities and our perceptions, because those things need to change. How many of you felt like your priorities, perceptions, and your goals in life changed because you came to Jesus? Wow, yes. Totally changes, and changes how you treat other people, and how you go about life. It totally shapes you. Our future is shaped by the dreams, though, that are housed in our minds and in our hearts, or the lack thereof. If we don't have one, it'll show it too. And so we need to cultivate those things, right? When you think of dreams and dreaming in the Bible, though, it's not long before you start thinking of the Old Testament character of who? Joseph. Joseph was a great kid. Joseph had a couple great dreams, and I hope that if you've not read them, you need to get in the book of Genesis and read about his life. But he had two great dreams. Dreams that he literally, he wasn't looking for. He never thought up on his own. They came to him. And he was given these two great pictures of his future in two separate dreams. And these dreams showed the rest of his family serving him at one point in his future. What do you think about that as a dream? Yeah, some of us, some of the middle kids are like going, dude, yes. Some of the older kids, and the, they're like, okay, knock that down. You know, the younger kids and the middle kids, they would love to have their family serve them, right? Well, praise the Lord for that. It's never going to happen. No. <laughs> so he has these dreams, and, and, he, and he wasn't looking for them, and he saw his family serving him. One dream had his brothers, they had stalks of wheat, and they represented his brothers, so there was 11 of them. And those stalks of wheat were bowing down to his stalk of wheat or grain. Wow. And, and see what was foolish about him, because he was second to youngest, he wasn't smart enough to know, you, don't, you better kind of keep your mouth shut and not share that dream. And especially not with a cocky attitude. But he did share that dream. They didn't think much of that dream. Right? And then he has another dream. And in this other dream, the sun and the moon, his father and mother, and 11 stars, which represented his brothers, they were all bowing down to him. And he told his dad that dream, as well as his brothers. I got a second dream. Oh, no. No, 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 no. These dreams were super bold, but they were terribly offensive to his family. But Joseph believed that they came from God. And I want you to think about it again. I, we had six boys in our family. Had one of the younger brothers shared a dream like that, there would have been a free-for-all. You know, all sorts of verbal stuff and everything else. Could you imagine 11 brothers and that happening? Oh, my gosh, what a power keg. What a, what a lot of tension. But if you know the story of Joseph in Genesis, you know this. 
that God indeed did mature Joseph and he developed him through years of experiences and, and challenges and trials. And he fulfilled a great dream through him to save his family and then to save his nation, other nations, and other peoples. And he did it through Joseph. Like Joseph, most of us have found dreams in our hearts that we weren't looking for. There were dreams that God wanted to accomplish through us for others. God has placed them there. What are those dreams that God has given you? Think about it. You may, they may be outlandish. You may be afraid because you feel like, hey, I've got underdeveloped gifts or abilities. Why are they underdeveloped? Has God placed them there for a greater dream? I have dormant abilities that are not yet ready for prime time. Maybe God has intended you to go to prime time. You have passions that need to be honed. You have, you have gifts that need to be disciplined and shaped so that you can do good instead of harm. Are we allowing God to do that? As God demonstrated with Joseph, our over-the-top dream can be from God. It really can, and we shouldn't automatically deny an over-the-top dream just because we think, oh, who am I? I cannot do that. Remember in Scripture, who else said, who am I? I can't speak. You're calling me to speak and to lead these people out? Who am I? Moses. What do you think Gideon said before he, he led his people to freedom? <laughs> he was cowering in the bottom of a well and said, who am I? Uh, you know, God has called a lot of people like that, and they've never felt equipped or ready, and it was outlandish, the dream God's given them, but he was able to accomplish it through them because it was from God. Joseph traveled a path in life with many setbacks, and if you know the story, you know what they were. He first, he's the, se he's the second to the youngest of these 11 brothers, and he's a shepherd. And then his brothers throw him in a well, and then they sell him off as a slave to a foreign country, so he becomes a slave. Could you imagine? He's a slave now. Then he rises up as a slave because he's sold to a powerful man, and he rises up to manage all of his lands, his businesses, and his household. And he becomes extremely successful, only to be falsely accused for a crime he did not commit. And he's thrown into prison. And there he is stuck in prison. But he continues to believe that God has a dream for him, and he continues to serve the Lord regardless of these setbacks and these trials. God raises him up in that prison, right? He raises him up. Joseph kept following the dreams through all the ups and downs, and one day God mysteriously and miraculously brings him out of prison and he fulfills this awesome dream that he had for him, and he made him the second in command of Egypt. Can you imagine all the twists and turns of that story and then to rise to the very top of supreme power? From that second position of power, God used him to prepare for a great famine, and he saved an entire nation, other nations, his family, and himself. And by the way, his whole family did bow down to him <laughs> and his brothers. But because God had formed in his heart a totally different man, he embraced them in wonder when they did and with gratitude over the graciousness of God that would fulfill 
his dream through him. He was so blessed by that. So Jesus puts dreams or dreams in our hearts. What dreams are there in your mind and your heart right now? What are, which ones are they that you haven't been looking for, but they beg to be fulfilled? I want to encourage you to ask the Lord whether he's in that dream. No matter how landish it is, no matter how ridiculous it is, check with God first before you toss the dream out. Now, I'm here to tell you, my kids hear me say this all the time. You see those little inspirational things up on walls in schools? If you can dream it, you can achieve it. They know my response to that is, you know, <laughs> and that's the nice response I have to it because it irritates me so much because I always tell them, yeah, I wanted to be a 100-meter runner too and I wanted to run a nine-something hundred. I go, good luck, you know. It doesn't happen because that's not God's dream for you. So just because you can believe it, you're not going to necessarily achieve it. But when God tells you, my dream is this for you, and it's outlandish, you can achieve that if you say yes to him. You can. God has placed so many outlandish dreams in my heart many, many times that have shown me he's big enough to accomplish it. He's big enough to accomplish it. Has he done that for you? Come on. Has he done that for you? What big dreams do you have? That God wants to show you he's big enough that he can accomplish it. He has placed those big dreams there, some of them, for a reason. Are you stepping out? Are you receiving his dream? Are you trusting him to fulfill it through your partnership? So as we conclude this morning, to dream God's big dreams, great dreams, we've got to respond to that command to step out. And we really have to quit holding on. Step out today especially out of your comfort zone. Don't let that be the Lord of your life, my comfort zone. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life, and he'll do something great if you do. So how open are you to take that step and that, and that, and that move? And then if you're not, be honest with yourself about what you're putting your security in. Because whatever you put your security in, whatever I put my security in, is my Lord. Amen? By default, it's my Lord. It's guiding and directing my life in action. So Jesus then puts his dreams in our hearts because he's Lord. He's our creator. Are there great dreams that we maybe have dismissed that could be fulfilled through us? Or what steps am I doing to come to God and say, God, I want to dream your dreams. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to abide in you and I'm going to remain here and listen. And I'm going to listen. Do you listen one time? No. Do you listen two times? Not necessarily. It might be over and over again. I had a chair I sat in, and I sat there night after night saying, God, you have blessed us, you have kept us, you've, you've led us, but now, God, there's darkness. Show me the path. I can't see beyond here. And I, sit, I was night after night, after night. And then all of a sudden, the way becomes clear. That's how it works. As you abide, as you remain, as you tarry in him. Hey, 
Because sometimes God's great dreams take you way out of your comfort zone. I remember praying once we had six kids. I went, God, how are you going to provide for these kids? I know I'm supposed to provide for them, but you're Lord, so what's up? And, and I go, and how, my daughter, how are you going to pay off her student loans? That was my first one. And you know what the Lord said? All I had to say, I got it. I, I heard that. I got it. That's it. And that just, all the stress went away. I got it. And he goes, and by the way, I'm going to tell you, he did tell me this later, I got the rest too. All the rest that will come. I can remember when God, we, we knew we were going to have our seven. I said, God, how can I have seven kids? I got to change. I got to get a 15-passenger van. That was our family vehicle for a while. I didn't like that. But I said, he said, Kelly, uh, do you trust me? And I go, yeah, I trust you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm so, I love my pickup now. <laughs> it happens like that, doesn't it? See, God takes care of it. Do I want to go back and walk through some of those things? Not so much, because they, they really took me out of my comfort zone. But because he's Lord, we, let him be Lord of your life. He'll do great things. You won't have to have seven kids just because you give everything to Jesus and you're going to believe a great dream. You won't have to necessarily go to Africa, which used to be the thing that everybody would say, man, if I really give my life over and I want God's great dream, I'll have to go to Africa. Now all the young kids want to go to Africa. So, you know, it's so totally different. Whatever you're fearing is not going to happen because you have a good God who has great dreams for you. He's going to bless you and make you a blessing. So many others say yes to him. I want you to stand with me as we close in prayer. Say yes to him. What big hairy dream is God wanting to give you to his glory? How many are they? Write them down. And say yes to him today. Amen. I'm going to ask.